Hello and welcome to a not-so-special episode of the Rangers Rundown. Nothing interesting here. 101. I mean, who cares? It's a normal episode of the Rangers Rundown. I am Max, joined tonight by Hayden. Yeah. And Mike. Yep. Yep. So the trade deadline came and went. And with it, all of Texas's hopes and dreams for the 2020 season. Because you knew they weren't going to be buyers, but boy, they weren't particularly good at being sellers either. There was a lot of hope. There were a lot of rumors out there. I got way too excited when reading a, a tweet by Evan Grant where I thought it, this had actually happened, where we did a, a swap of bad contracts with the Red Sox and picked up Eovaldi. And it got an Odor oh, was, off our books. Was this the Odor thing? Yeah. Yeah, I got that as a pop-up on my phone and I almost wrecked my truck. And yeah. I was, whew. I was thrilled. Thrilled. And then I go back and read the tweet again and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. No. Well, we can have There's nice things. a lot things. of reasons. We got to keep Lance Lynn so he can probably regress horrifically over the rest of the season and the next year. Uh, and Texas will get literally nothing out of him. If we're really lucky, he'll be incredibly good for the rest of 2020, win enough games that it uh, tanks some more draft stock, uh, and then be bad next year. I think that's really kind of the Rangers' way uh, on this one. Yeah, right. well, and it, it, of course his value is only going to go up in the offseason after he has less time uh, under contract and he can impact one fewer World Series team. Yeah. T.R. Sullivan had a thing about uh, some teams like couldn't afford him, and it's I'm sorry if you own a baseball team and you can't afford the like what it can't be two million dollars that Lynn is owed prorated over the rest of the season, right? If you can't afford that, you should not own a baseball team. Yeah, yeah. I, I he, could afford he, that. He's got to be. I the can best. sell enough he, organs. I mean, I guess non like Juan Soto and like weird pre-yard players division because that'll just throw everything out of whack. But like under. Yeah contractual players he's got to be the best wins per dollar I mean, yeah it'd be. be real hard to find somebody who's better than a guy he was what like a seven win pitcher last year for 10 million dollars yeah um can i introduce I you think, to a man um, named jonathan hernandez who's ooh. got five wins are you serious yes so I, mean, I, think, I think he's probably setting a record for wins per dollar if he, you ask me if we're talking about just straight up pitcher wins yeah i'm yeah. Oh, I was going okay. with the Fangraphs wins, but also, yeah, Jack Hernandez, I hadn't noticed that before. I, I, I have tended to not even look at the column, but he is 5-0 and oh in yeah. his 17 games. Jack yeah. Hernandez um, is also second on the team in pitcher F-War. Uh, Lynn is at 9-1.3, and Hernandez at .7, which is pretty good for a reliever in, mm-hmm. again, in 17 month. games. Oh, yeah. Like, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, I, I was thinking about this last night while I had the game up. Um, it was the I think it was the eighth inning. Texas was down one, and they put Hernandez in. And it is pr- actually legitimately cool that we are using John Hernandez in games where we want to win. We're yeah. like, no, we, we we think we still got this. Uh, who's our best bet here? Okay, Johnny, get in there, and then he just goes and shoves, and like it's fun. Uh, that's cool that Hernandez is like working. I mean, he's been on prospect radars for like a billion years is this crazy cross-firing hard thrower and it's fun to actually watch him be good it is um, it's neat it is i saw it suggested on lsb that they need to try him out as starter 
I don't think that's a good idea oh, because God. the knock don't on Tanner him. Shepherds me again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't do this, JD. He, he doesn't Please. have the supplemental pitches to no. to be a, a good starter. So I and think he's 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 content with his role. I've I've read these words coming out of his mouth that he he is excited about being a reliever, and I think he's got a great future as a reliever. He can make many millions of dollars. Yeah, doing being just an effective what he's late doing. inning, like setup type guy or yeah. closer, you know, whatever. Um, that's that's worth money, and and the him being a starter, the reason he isn't a starter and that he ended up transitioning to relief is that his delivery just really is not conducive to starting. Some guys make it work, but you cannot just forever go. Well, Chris Sale does it uh, on every single like weirdo delivery, and John Hernandez is too much across his body, according to like every single minor league prospect reviewer guy they're like i don't think that goes seven innings and this is great like just let him do this just come in there and throw 100 where he knows where it's going with some good stuff Ah, it's been fun to watch it's been one of the the best stories to come out of this team in 2020 yeah we haven't had a lot no (laughs) we had a great story come out over the uh on trade deadline day though uh you know mixed up with not trading lance lynn it was floated Everywhere that uh, Texas was shopping Joey Gallo, which imagine the stones it takes to just absolutely screw up a trade deadline, not move a guy like Lance Lynn uh, because you're too busy like shopping your young star core player, or at least spreading a rumor. You're like, well, you know, the market wasn't out there. Look, no one wanted Joey Gallo. What were we supposed to do with Lance Lynn? Like, what is that? I don't know, but Gallo can't. Can't be too happy about that. I'm sure no. in his mind, he's like, get me out of here as soon as possible. I, I think we he know. plays out next year, and mm-hmm. then he's gone like a fart in the wind. We know like over and over again, it gets reported that players know when there are trade rumors about them, and especially the younger guys. They're more, and this is not a pejorative at they're more online than the older players are. Like These dudes all grew up with Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and stuff. So, you know, the, the guys who are shuffling out of the league at this point, maybe you could blot it out. Like, I don't know that Adrian Beltre uh, knows how to log into a social media page. I'm sure he has, <laughs> like, a well-curated Instagram or whatever. Like, you know, Pudge is out there doing some cool stuff. He's got old man energy, so he's got that going for him. But, like, th- these kids know. They're getting push notifications on their phones. Oh, yeah. Um, that's got to suck when Texas, for, for multiple reasons, when they're looking to trade you and... As non-players, I don't think we ever really quite understand like what it means to be talked about being traded as players because it always seems to impact them more than I would think it would. I'd be like, it's part of the game, baby. You trade me. Yeah, I, I understand. But players don't like it. No. Mike Miner was really angry last year with all the trade rumors floating mm-hmm. around. He was not happy about that. He was like, I was hired to do a job here. Yeah. And I'm sure Gallo was not happy about it. But like I said, you know, he's looking around going, Hey, uh, Scott, what, what do you think you can get me uh, on one of the coasts? Yeah. yeah. And, and there's the secondary one, which is not just the straight up, what does it mean to trade me? It's what is Joey Gallo, the young you know, star player at the middle of what Texas should be doing for the next 10 years after they extend him, lol. What is that guy thinking when he sees his team not trade Lance Lynn for other future teammates and then try to trade him and fail? What is the message that the front office is sending to its players? It says, yeah, guys, we're thinking about uh, getting rid of Joey, just seeing if we can pick up a couple of kids. Like, <sighs> yike. That's that's such a terrible message. Look, yeah. you don't want to trade off? You know, these guys know Todd Frazier, Robinson Chirinos, Mike Miner. They're out the door. These guys are on expiring contracts. They're the types of players who get dealt. 
you know, you look at a player like Lynn and you say we would never trade that guy unless we were, say, on our way to the first overall pick in the draft and had a terrible team and no real hope for the future. Oh, hey, that's us. And then they didn't do it. So, uh, you know. Well, you know, JD has a track record of, you know, there being rumors out there about one of his guys being traded or how guys find out they're traded. I, I just, I don't think he cares. Nice. At least he hasn't historically, because I remember how ticked Kinsler was. I can't remember all the specifics surrounding that. Was he on that. vacation? Something was like that, that. Yeah, I think that was the Kinsler one where he was like at the beach with like Elvis Andrus's family or something. And gets like a text. Yeah. 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 Ugh. Yeah. So. But hey, it's cool. We'll sign a bunch of Jordan Lyles guys in the offseason, and uh, we'll definitely be a, a top 13 team in the American League, maybe. <laughs> well, okay. I want to I want to dive in more about what you said about message and like what kind of message it sends. Mm-hmm. So we can you know you can read between the lines about certain things and it's pretty bold print in between those lines. But also we've we've the the, the press especially um, the guy for the uh, Star Telegram uh, Jeff Wilson mm-hmm. uh, I remember in particular was bringing up that JD has said that. In, in the aftermath of this trade deadline that the Rangers contention window has been pushed back yeah. um, so so that's for one that's I mean say what you will about JD and, I, and I've always been a fan of his um, but he, either way even if you don't like him or even if you thought that you know we should have never signed you and all that other stuff whatever no. um, like one, th- one thing that you can say is that he's always been candid he's always been pretty like he, he in terms of like trade dealings he's been close to the vest and he's you know ninja jd guy but in, in interviews and stuff he's pretty candid and, and i appreciate that a lot from him um, almost annoyingly this, candid there were yeah. times when he would say something and we're like there's no way he means we're cutting payroll like that and then we would and go huh <laughs> yeah yeah and so so but anyways to hear him say that i mean that that it's just like, okay well the contention window has been moved back and you think okay well, well, let, let's look at the two kind of the simplistic ways of looking at a, a franchise's direction, right? Either got either con- competing now, you're trying to win, you're trying to acquire players, or you're trying to build for the future. You're trying to say, hey, you know what? We might have this awesome player, but it's just not working out as a team. So maybe we're going to try to build a better team for maybe next year. And you I mean that's how that's how. The, for more or less, like that's how teams get good. That's how the Rangers got good. We traded Mark Teixeira three years later. You know, we have Elvis Andrews and Matt Harrison and um, Neftali Feliz playing in the World Series. I mean, that that was a really fortunate thing and, and probably the best trade that we'll ever see in our lives in terms of the return and, and how great that was. But like that's that's the idea. And so if you're not going to, if you're admitting right now that our window is getting moved back and your window is not now, then when is the window? And why is Lance Lynn a part of the current window? Like, he all he's going to do is give us a worse draft pick. That's all he's going to do. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's this theory that the the deadline market sucked, um, blah blah blah, and that Texas will trade him either in the off season or at the next deadline, and that due to the the vagaries of baseball and the differential trade markets of those times that. Either an identical value trade to what was offered will come up, and Texas will just go, yeah, all right, and take it, or a better trade will come up, and um, that just seems sort of unlikely. Yeah, I, I, he's outperforming his peripherals right now. I really do think Lance Lynn has is a really good pitcher right now, and he's only on a one year deal. So, like, if you're acquiring him, and it turns out he was all smoke and mirrors, 
it's not going to kill you. He's also, even when he, if he reverts, he's not going to regress back to being a bad pitcher. He's going to be an innings-eating, like, 110 pitches a game guy. Well, like, start. He'll be, he'll guy, be the, yeah. the good version of, you know, Jordan Lyles or whatever. He'll be, like, a perfectly functional three or four. And that's fine on a playoff team that's looking to add a guy. You know, if I'm the Padres, I probably don't trade the farm for Lance Lynn because if he does regress, whoops. But if I'm the, the Braves, was the team that came up, they should have a lot of pitchers next year. All their guys are just killed. Or the Nats, who lost Strasburg and Scherzer kind of was hurt and scuffled a little bit. Like, there's a lot of teams where our Lance, I mean, almost every team, actually, except for Texas, uh, benefits from having a Lance <laughs> Lynn on it, as it turns out. Uh, man, it was really depressing to go through that sentence out loud. Uh, yeah, I'm sad now. So I don't. Why do? Why would you reasonably expect the trade market to be better for Lynn later? It won't. It won't. It, He'll have it less won't. control. I mean, maybe you have more teams in the offseason because you have you have the teams that are sucking right now, like say Washington, a team I just mentioned, who I could I could not you know fault them for not acquiring at this deadline. They're like a half game better than Texas in record, or maybe half game worse right now. I I was just looking at this and I've already forgotten. Um, Half game worse than Texas. But they just won the World Series, so I have absolutely no sympathy for them. Uh, Jim, I don't know if you listen to this show, but stop complaining about the Nats where I can see it because I have no sympathy for you right now. Anyway, I could see them not making a deadline trade and being a team that would make an offseason acquisition. A front three of Scherzer, Strasburg, and Lynn is uh, ridiculous. But how many teams are in that situation where they, mm-hmm. they have all the pieces to compete but have just like an injury that's holding them back. Very few. It's not many. I mean, Houston, well, in, in, but no. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure who else. The Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers made the most sense this trade deadline, but mm-hmm. the Dodgers, they will do anything to win. They have a bloated payroll. They, they've shown they're not afraid to spend unless it comes to the Rangers, and they just think that they're going to get bargain basement deals. They screwed us in the Darvish trade, and they're looking to screw us again. And and you know they they, they called yeah. uh, JD's bluff basically. They said no, we're not going to give you that. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah, I it's mean, definitely going to hurt it, his trade leverage. That all the teams that he was negotiating with, telling them he had offers, none of them materialize, and everyone can look at it and go, yeah, we all know that Lance Lynn isn't worth the farm. So you're just going to get worse offers. I mean, unless yeah, baseball I mean, trading just doesn't follow the rules of logic which it might not I, I don't know well yeah it certainly doesn't but but the trend the trend that we are seeing unfortunately and jd mentioned this as well is that um we're we're in an era right now where young players and young prospects are clutched so tightly by their organizations yeah. nobody is trading a guy i mean like for example i don't know nobody's trading an anderson tejeda from their farm system no because that might end up being fernando tetis nobody's trading i don't know um like uh, somebody because he, it's Juan Soto. Nobody's trading who so and so because that's um, you know, Paddock. It's just like they're mm-hmm. they're so afraid to move these assets. Which I mean, fair enough. That's how you build a good team, you know. But the old way of doing things, like we saw when the Rangers went to the World Series in 2010, you know, you just say F it, let's get Cliff Lee, and then in 2015, F it, let's get Cole Hamels. People aren't doing that much anymore, and of course that that really comes to bite us now you know like, like i brought up the, the, the excuse me the teixeira thing before 
you know, and I was thinking before the trade deadline passed, I was thinking, man, where would this organization be if we didn't pull the make that trade? And like that trade, I, I, I'm not naive. That that offer is not on the table. That's not something that JD just skipped over this week. He didn't he didn't turn down a Teixeira like return. Oh no, but there was but, never a but, deal that was like five interesting but, prospects for Lynn that right. would have gotten gotten snapped up. Like exactly, JD's not an exactly. idiot. I mean, he's but, not just but, going. And not yeah. doing it. Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 totally, I totally agree. But it's just yeah. like we're not in that era anymore. The, the Teixeira trade will not happen again. Not until until like the, the pendulum swings back the other way. Um, and, the Tatis and, reference you made is actually really interesting because that was a, a bit of a salary dump move. That was the James mm-hmm. Shields trade. Yep. Um, which, boy, that looks real dumb. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and Tatis was not a, a superstar prospect at the time he didn't exactly like come from nowhere and i don't know that so much it's the idea that superstar prospects could be anybody and they could pop up so you should never trade them but the idea that tatis became a superstar by the age of 21 um means that prospect and and that that's valuable because it means that the padres can acquire a bunch of like eric hosmers on bad deals and it mm-hmm. won't hurt them because they have an outfield full of just young children and then Fernando Tatis being the best player in baseball for, like, $5. Um, <laughs> yeah. Prospects are more valuable now than they've ever been before. Yep. And I wonder if I asks mean, are getting weird. If JD has been still expecting the kind of returns that you might get out of, say, a Teixeira type, you're getting five kind of... Well, I think, what, three of those guys were considered top prospects at the time and there were one or two sort of toss-ins? Yeah. Was it four yeah. and one? It was three and two think, or four like and four, one. Of I think like it was like four and one. Studs. Bo Jones I don't, was was always the fifth player. I think he was a lotto guy. Was, obviously, he didn't make it. I yeah. think he was a lotto guy at the time. But like that was a, a hallmark deal. Nobody does deals like that. Yep. It's always what we saw, um, like what the Padres were doing. It, this te- they, they acquired like seventeen players. It's incredible. Um, but they they were shipping off maybe a big guy. They sent out the the outfielder. And I just blanked on his name and feel really dumb. Um, but he wasn't one of their top top five. I think he was like their sixth best player. He's a really interesting guy. But it was him and a bunch of lower level players. And no one's trading their, their number one or two prospects for expiring deals anymore. Mm-hmm. So are, you know, is, is the team asking too much or, or rejecting deals out of hand up front because they don't have the headliners that we expected 10 years ago? That kind of sucked. I mean, it looks from the outside that JD overvalues his own players and undervalues others, other teams' players. It, it, it just seems like he's got this myopic situation where he just he can't see things for what they really are, and that's a problem for a GM. And I, I've liked, you know, like like you, Hayden. I'm I've really been on board with JD. I mean, he had, he's had some misses along the ways, but he's had some great deals too. And but. It just seems like he's lost his curveball. Yeah, maybe maybe teams don't like dealing with him. I don't know. It's just I, it's just yeah. It's perplexing. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I definitely, I think that that this traded line has made me turn me into a person where I think that he needs to go. I he's he is the architect of some of the happiest moments of my life. Quite honestly, like to distill it down to that, and like, and I think that he's been great, but. I don't know. I don't know what our path forward is, and if he's admitting that, I think that he's hamstrung a lot by the owners. We also had JD speaking 
candidly saying that Ray Davis does have say in personnel, which is outrageous, which that's a whole nother podcast. Maybe uh. this one, I don't know. But, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't even think that it's necessarily overvaluing his players, I guess, perhaps, but uh, because I think that to a degree he needed to just take the best offer that he could get for Lynn because it's his value will go down. He will be only able to play in one postseason now. Um, he will only be able to, you know what I mean? He can only, his value will never get better on the field, basically. Um, like, he can't keep, even if he keeps pitching as a Cy Young pitcher, as the best pitcher in the AL, well, okay, cool. He's uh, he's already been that. He His play on the field can only regress and scare some people off, maybe. But anyways, all I'm saying is that you have a Cy Young probable winner right in your lap for $8 million or $10 million, and you just go, well... Uh, let's just keep him, I guess. Uh, maybe we can extend him, I guess, even though our window is moved back by a couple of years. So yeah, I'm whatever admitting, that's supposed to mean. I'm admitting out loud that we're probably not going to be a contender for another, to like 2023. Again, undercutting so your leverage get, next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so maybe maybe if we extend Lynn, let me, just, just follow me, I'm just oh kind of God, externally processing this Oh, God, don't do this, this to me. Maybe if we extend Lynn, right, and we have a 38-year-old Lance Lynn, he can be the back end of the rotation of the next good Rangers team. Ha! Gotcha. Wait, did I just say all that out loud? Oh, no. And I just don't know, man. Ah. I, he needed to hit the reset button, and I guess, man, it all comes back to the stupid owners and the stupid stadium because you've got... You've got Ray Davis in the meetings in the office saying you can't trade Lance Lynn. I mean, this is what I'm. What I'm. I'm. This is reading between the lines a little bit smaller print. But he's saying you can't trade Gallo. You can't trade Lance Lynn because we've got a brand new stadium and it cost 1.2 billion dollars. Even though I only paid for a tiny percentage of it, and we got to put butts in these seats. And they don't. These idiots in de- in Texas, they don't care if the team's good or not. They just want. They, we just need to have a a, a good player. And boom, we're, we have a gold mine. We got the air conditioning baby, and I'm going to make so much money off of this because oil's in the crapper because of COVID. So anyways, uh, yeah, you can't trade Lance Lynn and improve your baseball team and do your job well because uh, I'm scared that it's going to scare the average fan off, even though I think that that average fan is also an idiot. And that average fan is also proven to be an idiot because they gave me $500 million. Okay, there we go. Now, now we have the Hayden's rage corner. Has <laughs> yep, yep. All right, so I'd, I'd like to expand on that. Yeah, we're talking it. about the owners and finance. And Evan Grant was on the ticket, uh, like five thirty Monday afternoon. So after the trade deadline had come and gone, and he would just gotten off of a conference call with JD, and he brought up some stuff that made me go, "Okay, I think I know what's going on here." He talked about. The fact that the owners, you know, their their portion of the ballpark was seven hundred million dollars, which apparently was all financed. Ooh, and how generous of them! Yeah, and basically said debt service is going to begin this fall. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, being from the real estate accounting background, I mean, it, this makes perfect sense to me. So, whenever you're building a large commercial project, you get what's called a construction loan. And basically what that is, it's, it's, it's a line of credit that allows you to draw down as you're incurring expenses along the way. And so as you draw down on these, these expenses, they get added to your loan and you're paying interest only during the construction portion of the project. The problem is that, you know, shortly after the project is complete, 
then that um, construction loan converts to uh, a standard loan with principal and interest, usually just like a, a house and be a 30 year note. And I'm like, okay, they, they finance this whole thing. They've got very little revenue co- coming in mm-hmm. there. It could be that they really are cash strapped. If you look at the perfect storm of COVID and no fans and oil crash and one of them gets a divorce and you think it's very possible they are cash poor at this point. They talked about making some capital calls and then that's that's pretty standard stuff, but they wouldn't have brought that up with you know reporters on the line if they weren't getting that message out. Yeah, I really do think they can't afford a larger payroll. And if that's the case, this could take years to dig out of because yep. you know, I did some simple math and on a $700 million loan, you know, I did 3.8% on a 30 year note. And during, during the construction phase, they're paying somewhere along the lines of $2.2 million a month in interest. Ooh. That is that that's when it, it got to fully up to 700 million again, you know, cause you're drawing down along the way. So it's, mm-hmm. that's going to grow. But when it converts to a conventional loan, you're looking at it's going to be somewhere around three point eight million a month. Ooh, yeah. And if you've got no no revenue coming in, I mean, even to a billionaire, those are numbers to stand up and take notice to. So it just yeah, it, to it, a it billionaire just, who's got a lot of like very leveraged money right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean they're worth. And please do not take this wrong. Uh, I don't think billionaires should exist. Um, maybe except to own baseball teams and for no other purpose, uh, yeah. just to pay for me to watch sports. I'm okay with that, but they can't have any other business interests anymore, which means they won't be billionaires, which means my world system is terrible, but I don't care. It has sports in it. No, it's perfectly cyclical. Yeah. And, and like, it, these are very, le- they're billionaires on paper. These are not, yeah. these are fringe billionaires anyway. We're not talking about a Jeff Bezos type who can blink away 10 billion and like, Possibly not notice. Um, Bezos could buy every baseball team and, and yeah, not really notice it hitting his pocketbook. Ugh, which that's <laughs> a horrifying thought. This is that a man is, who could buy the Yankees many times over. He could buy baseball and just go, this is mine now, and let's not give him any ideas. He's probably listening. I'm, a, I'm confident this podcast is shared a lot by Amazon Web Services. Brought to you by Amazon Web Services. <laughs> yes. The official yes. internet of the internet. Uh, yike. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned this in our in our chat the other day, and I thought it was just really interesting to think about that these uh, big rich boys who essentially uh, did some fun stuff. They, they they boondoggled the city of Arlington into five hundred million dollars so that they could build their little toy that they didn't particularly need. That's a big dinger from Colby Allard, and he's not batting. In case Uh-oh. that wasn't clear, um, but. That they actually maybe don't have the money to, to pay for their big shiny toy for lots of reasons going on. And that uh, what's the first thing you cut? Um, the, ex, the, the extraneous salary on your crappy baseball team? Yeah. Crap. That's not good. That's real bad for us. Cause that, it harkens back to the, the Tom Hicks days. Yep. It, it feels exactly like that to me. And I'm worried what that's going to mean for this team for the next three or four years. It's not going to be good. 
No, like, I mean, I it's mean, probably I, not. I mean, that, but just to, to, to be completely like, just and like, I mean, I'm super optimistic, even though I'm in an angry dome. I got my angry helmet uh-huh. on right now. Like, it's 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 going to be bad. There's no path forward, and that's kind of the whole whole thing that I I'm left with as, as I think about this, and I've been thinking about it since the trade deadline and and before then, of course. Is there's just no path forward. I mean, excuse me. There is a path forward. I have fan graphs pulled up. Who is Texas's best hitter right now? Minimum 20 plate appearances. The best Trevino? hitter is Ronald It's Trevino. It's not. Ronald hmm. Guzman? Guzman's the best, but he doesn't have 20 plate appearances yet. I uh, I did this to cut him out. It is Ronald Guzman in oh. 16 plate appearances. But uh, this player has 27 PAs. <laughs> <laughs> that just make my threshold cut. They are the only player with a WRC plus of 100 or more on the entire team. Don't tell me it's Dietrich. It's Leody Tavares. Ah. That's it. There's our path forward. Number two is Jose Trevino, 97. Number three is Derek Dietrich, 96. (laughs) Gosh. Uh, Then Mathis, as we all predicted, the fourth best hitter on the team. Uh, Then Solak, who's been just below average but has looked pretty good recently. And then Gallo. Uh, rocking a 176 batting average, but a 407 slugging, uh, getting eaten up by the shift. I've seen a couple of uh, good old shift boys when he's not put him in the seats. He's not having a great time up there, and I wouldn't be either. There's a lot going on on that man's head. Yeah. So, I mean, like but even, even... No, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay, I'll go I... ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, You'll have to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm leaving it in. Um, so Leo, so even though, like Laoti, for example, I'm super excited that he's playing, um, and and we mentioned that either on this pod, uh, the previous one, or the one before that, about how he needs to be playing. Just forget it, man. If you're if we're gonna do anything, we need to play him, um, and that's great. The point, but the thing is, is that even he he's a winning player. Like Nick Solak is a winning player. Willie Calhoun probably a will a winning player. Um, Jonathan Hernandez, he's a great player, it seems like, but of course, just check back next year and we'll see if he's Jackal or Hyde. I mean, look at every reliever ever. Um, Please don't talk about Hazard right now. I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> you, you, you just brought him up, though. Oh, Thank no. you for that. Um, it, 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 well, there is no, and, and Tepid is, bangs the drum on this harder than anybody, but there's no alphas. There's no heroes. There's no, there's no superstar uh, all-star MVP level, other than Gallo. So we we have Gallo, but we're about to you know run him off. Slash, he's a Boris client, so we probably don't even have a say in the matter, really. I mean, uh, I think Willie could be. I mean, he showed signs of that last year. Of course, but th- that's the thing is 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 we're talking about. Yeah, I think I'm what with is, what is, Hayden that he's more of a a good player and a good team than a core superstar player. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Willie Calhoun is probably like slightly better than David Murphy. His oh, you know what I mean? no, I, I mean at least like, like, what I'm he showed about, last I'm, year. I'm he had 20 home like, runs in yeah, half a season. Okay, okay. Well, we Murphy are, never we hit 40 with, home runs in a season. We're playing with a different ball, too. But uh-huh. also, just like. Overall, defense included, like Willie Calhoun is probably a really good three slash four outfielder on a World Series team. Willie Calhoun's like opti- the for that sort of type of player with his um, bat skills and with his defensive and base running skills and sort of his optimal outcome a dream. Not now, but like a couple of years ago when he was just a prospect with nothing but shine is Prince yeah. Fielder. 
Yeah, like the be, absolute best that you could hope for, for out of a kid like Ellen when he was perfectly happy with that was Prince Fielder, and I think he's been in and around the bigs long enough to say that it's pretty pretty damn unlikely that he is going to turn into Prince Fielder, right. um, and. It, once you start taking away, I mean, he looks like he looks like Eric Thames, Raul Abanez type. Oh, I, don't know. I I would you say mean? that's being a little bit optimistic. Uh, Raul Abanez is one of the best like pure hitters we've seen in modern game. But, like, I mean, look I mean, at Eric Thames. He had a couple of great years with the Brewers, but he is a a, mm-hmm. a very kind of hit or miss, defensively limited power guy who sucks against lefties. Um, you know, he he crashes dingers. Um, he's when he's on, he's super fun, but he just doesn't really bring much else to your team. He's yep. a, a faker in any defensive position, um, and that's why he's basically kind of shuttled around a lot. There's a lot of guys like Willie Calhoun. I really like Willie Calhoun. I honestly think he's yeah, a, a I, very. I, I think yes. we all do. We're all big fans of Calhoun. Yes, um, and it sucks that he keeps getting like hurt or just not given a chance. Hello, all of 2018. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. Nick Selec almost just got brained there. Ooh, he had a duck out of the way of a pitch right at his ear. Wow. But, uh, I, yeah, I think Cal, man, again, I think Calhoun is a player who's a good player on a good team if, if he stops being, like, hurt and unable to play. But right. he's the only guy on this roster that looks like what you're talking about for a, a, a star player is Joey Gallo. Yep. Leo Tavares is awesome. I, I think he gives you at the at, not at the very least. Obviously, he could be terrible, but he gives you like a, an Ender in Ciarte on the Braves, or even a, like a Kevin Kiermeyer, a stellar yep. center fielder who can run the bases and will get on often enough that his base stealing and defense is valuable. Yep. Even if he does nothing else, that's still a and useful that's great. Part. That's a great that prospect. Win that's not that's games. You can't build a team around that. No. Solak and, and, and is if, a cool if you, player. If you say, I love Nick Solak, but he's not a guy that you want to like draft first in a dynasty thing. Where you're like, I got this guy. This guy, Nick Solak, exactly. is going to carry me where I need exactly. to go. And and I think that is important to as we're talking about this and as we're thinking about other other teams and other franchises. We've unfortunately brought up, um, you know, Juan Soto and, and Fernando Tatis Jr. And of course, those are though, not every team has those. Not mm. every other team. Has Two teams those have guys. those. You know, you know what I mean. Like, so I'm not saying like, why are we the only ones that don't have a, you know, one of those guys? I, I get that, but we, I think that we've kind of also been conditioned to grade on a curve a little bit. It's like, oh, like it's awesome that we have Leota Tavares, number one prospect. All right, cool. Well, it's like, well, we're excited to see him, but you know, he'd be another team's like fourth or fifth or sixth prospect, and he's got these holes in his game, yeah. which is why the he's Braves not be a have good Leody on their team right now. They have Christian Pache, who is a superstar type prospect. He's an insanely good, like 70, 80 center fielder, but he also uh, learned to hit in the minors. And I was kind of ragging on Christian Pache like three years ago with Braves fans. If Yeah, if he learns to hit, he's good. Otherwise, he's Ender Inciarte, and now I look like a moron because <laughs> <laughs> my team has young Ender Inciarte, and their team has actual Ender Inciarte. And Christian Pache, which yeah, shout out Braves. That's irritating. Yeah, yeah. So you, I mean, you I look at that top the, ten, and and who are you asking here to be your superstar player? Like Josh Young, interesting, but he doesn't have the the upside of like a, a you know Vlad or whatever. Right. He, he in theory is like a good contact, solid defending third baseman who is like a good and valuable player, but he's not a guy who you add him to the roster and you're the 2020 Padres who went from mm-hmm. like scraping, scraping, being a bunch of scrubs 
they have Tatis. Now, any other production they get from everybody else, they're good. That's right. exactly what they're doing right now. Yep. Sam Huff could be that guy. I think he's the closest. He's a catcher who has the potential. If, you know, dream outcome, everything clicks. Yeah, the Giants are buoyed for years right. by a good catcher. Buster Posey kept that team as a, yeah, they're pretty good, even when the yep. rest of that roster sucked. Um, but that's, that's asking a lot out of the young catcher with a, a yep. very large body behind the plate. Yeah. And yeah, and it just speaks to what 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 Mike said at the very beginning of this is you look at all the forty future value guys. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about Hans Kraus. I mean, that's another that's more of a mercurial type of guy. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited about like I'm excited about Sam Huff. I'm excited about um, I don't have Cole Wynn. Cole Wynn. You know, I'm excited about Kyle Cody getting a shot right now. Yeah. I'm excited about Shirt uh, Apostle. He seems really Shirt fun. Apostle. Aaron Laura, who's a baby and is a million years away. But yeah, yeah. All, John King. All of these guys. I'm like, okay, this is cool. You know, I know something about them. I'm rooting for them. I'm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, Tyler Phillips, for example, another guy that's just Call kind of been slow and him. steady. Uh, and I'm like, okay, this is going to be cool, you know. It, hopefully he turns into something. Hopefully he's a Derek Holland or something like that. But you, if you say that, hopefully, if, if, if you say everything, if, if every evaluation as to one of your prospects is, yeah, well, I mean, hopefully we get the best outcome out mm-hmm. of him instead of going, this guy's a stud, man. Just wait, wait two years because he, that's just like the prerequisite thing, maybe a year and a half, and like he's going to, you're going to love him. You're gonna yeah. love him, Rangers fans. You're gonna love him. We have a bunch of guys that are like, well, yeah, look at the guys that we listed. We, the most Hans interesting Krauss players, like the guys who maybe could be that player. It's a catcher, Sam Huff, who has not right. played Double A, and that's mm-hmm. a bad recipe. I mean, remember Max Ramirez and Jared Saltomachia, like of course. Uh, and yep. was it who was the third one? Um, uh, Taylor T. Garden. Taylor T. Garden. We had we were supposed to have all the catchers to end time and space and uh that Jorge Alfaro oh god you know? yeah there's so many catchers who haven't clicked and so many that have but when they're like 32 so I love Sam Huff uh, not freaking not <laughs> Robinson Torinos is one of those guys hey, yeah he was a, a third baseman shortstop for a long time and then learned to catch and that worked out really well for him Hans yeah. Kraus a dude that prospect evaluators love or hate he's uh I referenced this earlier he's the well if Chris Sale can do it so can Hans Kraus and there's one Chris Sale, um, yep. and that has not always worked, like uh, literally right now. Uh, Shirt and Apostle, a bad-bodied third baseman who will likely move to first or right field. Yeah, if he makes where, it work. Where his, his awesome. production won't play. Bayron Laura is like 14 years old, so you really can't risk, you, you can't rely on anything there. Uh, you're, all the guys who are the most like, okay, but if that Joe guy Palumbo, makes it, we'll be there. You know what I mean? They're all incredibly high-risk profiles, either because of the position, Huff, um, and there's some red flags in his game as well. He strikes out a lot, blah, 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 who cares? He's a catcher, though, and so if he can't catch, that really hurts his value. But uh, it's... it's. I mean, I love a lot of prospects. I'm a humongous sucker for the minor leagues and for Rangers prospects generally. I love following these kids. But it is really hard to look at the current roster and the future roster, knowing that this team is trying to trade Joey Gallo, and going that they're going to be good in three years. It's really hard to do that. Yep. Especially yep. given that we didn't get any kind of infusion of talent from the um, best pitcher in the league, Lance Lynn trade that didn't happen. Yep. Uh, there was some, but we did get five players to be named later. We so did, and, and we got that whole treasure trove. To be fair to that, 
Now, just to be clear, and I'm sure our listeners are, are familiar with a lot of this stuff, but in case you're not, the player to be named later is a better deal this year than in most years because oh, yeah, I know that. every player who isn't on a 60 has to be a PT uh, BNL. Right, player two. Yeah, I got it right. Um, you, if you're not on a 60 man, you can't be traded right now. So there are actually a lot of interesting prospects who are going to be moved in those sorts of deals who would not have been moved as a player to be named later in prior years. Uh, right. And we know who the two guys are in the minor trade, and I'm trying to pull that up right now. There was a, a good tweet that Levi pushed from a writer who works with the A's. Um, yeah, she writes for The Athletic in uh, Sabres. Yeah, Francisco. it's Melissa Lockard. Um, apparently she comes highly endorsed by, uh, by Levi. So these two are um, a uh, center fielder, smart, fast, um, you know, decent uh, with the bat. And then a guy who's got uh, third base, first base on him, apparently has got a good stick, but needs the power. So, you, I mean, let's, uh, let's say super upside here. You've got some sort of uh, Leary Tavares and some sort of Josh Young. <laughs> no, um, that seems unlikely. But it's Marcus Smith is the outfielder and Dustin Harris is the third baseman. They were both draft picks in 2019, so they're quite young. Um They've got more shine on them than most players to be named later would in such a deal, mm-hmm. but we're not talking about top prospects. These were traded for a half-broken Mike Miner on a one-month deal. That's not the infusion of talent that this farm system needed from, I don't know, trading the second-best pitcher in the American League. Right. Which would have been nice. You know, the, yeah. the players traded to the Mets, those are the traditional players to be named later to my understanding they will be the Raiders will be picking from a list at the end of the season so very possibly and it's the Mets so we probably will (laughs) get much better performance out of those guys because Mets exactly it's going to take about a year to get that Mets stink off check swing grounded out to first like he went to just go dink and kind of hit that little foul ball when you don't swing the bat and whoopsie it hit the end of it and it uh, just stayed fair Nice. That's very Rangers. Yes. It's this is the most Rangers nonsense. Uh, right up there with uh, I had the Tankathon. We are definitely sponsored one hundred percent by Tankathon. We love them. They give us a lot of money to run this podcast. So thank you to yep. our dear friends at Tankathon.com slash MLP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Texas sucks. <laughs> Texas is terrible. They're thirteen and twenty one. Um, that's because they uh, they won a game last night that was so improbable that MLB at bat refused to credit them with the win today. <laughs> uh, I woke up this morning after actually watching the game last night, which Texas won in the tenth. I uh, opened up my at bat this morning to go and look at why my friend who lives in Denver was complaining. Uh, the Rockies gave up twenty three runs to the Giants yesterday, I by the way, that. which is I awesome. Uh, their best pitcher was Drew Butera in one and two-third innings. You might know Drew Butera. He's a 37-year-old catcher. <laughs> by the, by far their best pitcher in that game. But as I was doing that, I noticed that uh, MLB at-bat was only crediting Texas with a tie. They just they just took away a run. Texas is so bad, MLB at-bat is like, hmm, got to score an extra run if you want to make those count. Uh, Texas sucks, and they are still only the third worst team in the American League by record. So Come we're going to have this nonsense season. We're not going to trade Lance Lynn. We're going to have no like particularly fascinating prospects to uh, uh, rely on here. And we're in line for the fifth pick. Cool. Woo-hoo. 
So, the so basically, reigning we're national probably... champion Washington Nationals are actually ahead of us for a draft pick. They could get a ring in one year and then a better pick than us in the next. Come on, <laughs> like, get out. We're Twenty rebounds is so dangerous. We're so cursed. <laughs> I hate this whole it. Damn year. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. Well, at least every time I look at a, a stadium shot here in a Rangers-Astros game, I can't figure out which stadium they're playing in. Nice. It takes me a minute. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was too negative. We're all too depressed now. Now we're mad yeah. about the dang building again. Remember back in uh, like November of last year when that was really all we had to be mad about? I think the stadium looks dumb. God, I wish we could have that again. <laughs> Jeez, I, I mean, I still have not cooled off from that. By the way, it I does just, look dumb. Just, just so you know, like I, I've, and I remember, I remember specifically when the blueprints came out. When like the, when the vote passed, it was before the vote had even passed. Blueprints came out, and I was like, "This is stupid. Please, guys, do not do this." Don't do it. What three, three, four years ago at this point? Four, four years ago, I think. Don't do this. Don't do this. And at every turn, they continue to do this, and it's, I've and make mad. it even worse. Yep, I've been mad this whole time. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess what to watch for in September is hopefully we, uh, you know, lose every game that Lance Lynn doesn't pitch because we're probably going to win those games. So that's like six wins that you can bank. Dang it, Lance. So, I mean, that's the thing. Now he's playing against us. <laughs> like, what have you done, JD? Not only did we not get anything for him, but now he's counterproductive to our what's the Strategy. best yep. our, our, our yeah our, our ideal outcome here yeah, maximal outcomes so, here involved just losing essentially every game but having some encouraging performances from young players yeah I mean, let's, have, a let's couple, have Gallo bounce back yep call us one of your young pitchers yeah like we were just to end on like a slightly more positive note we did talk about how it's been fun watching John Hernandez but like Ronald Guzman yep. came up and has been lighting the world on fire we've seen him a couple of times before we're fans of the Condor. You know, maybe he has a good oh, end yeah. of the season. Tejeda is back up now. His hair is yep. still fantastic. He's a young and exciting and interesting player to watch. Um, on the the pitching side, you know, I don't know that he's the most exciting player to outsiders, but like Wes Benjamin, I've been following that kid for a billion years. He was drafted injured out of I think it was Kansas, and has yep. just been putting the work in for all this time. He's getting a shot. That's awesome for him for his family. Maybe he's good. Kyle Cody actually does look good yeah, when he's he pitched. Yeah, he's getting a start. Is that right? They announced him as a starter yep. for Friday? Yep. Friday. Cool. Awesome. Kyle Cody, he's like 17 feet tall. He looks like an ogre. Um, he's cool. <laughs> like He's been pretty good. Um, and pretty injured. Yeah, so he's been, good been hurt a lot. Be so right it's now. cool to have yeah. him up and, and healthy and, and pitching. And Those guys are fun. You know, Taylor Hearn... The numbers haven't really always been there. He's got the, the ERA in a good position right now, but he's striking out over 11 per nine. That's nice. The stuff is still nasty coming from the left side. If this is a year where yeah, he settles out the butterflies and like stops being hurt, cool. That's a that's a good outcome. Yeah. Everything else is garbage. Uh, but Pretty much. God. If if they're if they're under 20 if they're over 25 years old, don't don't even bother to care. They're over 23, maybe even. I don't know where that line cuts off. Like I don't know where Taylor, how old Taylor Hearn is, but like we're just Joey don't Gallo, even look at. Don't don't everyone uh, who's afraid of mortality close your ears. Joey Gallo is 26. Jeez. Yeah. All right. Well, 
on that he's existential be note. Twenty-seven on opening day next year. All right. Well, he's just about to hit his prime. That's what I hear. Yep. And he'll be joined uh, by not Corey Kluber. Go, go Gallo. I can't wait for our one remaining Corey Kluber start this year. They'll just have him pitch a game at the end of September, just for fun. Just for the photos. Yeah. Gotta gotta have it in the. Gotta really mess up everyone's sporkle. Everyone will remember if Corey Kluber pitched one inning and got hurt. No one will remember if he pitched two innings and got hurt. (laughs) (laughs) You're onto something there. I'm not looking forward to this sport. I will, um, right now, I will never remember Luis Garcia. I still don't know who that is. He pitched a lot yesterday. (laughs) He started yesterday, I think. He opened, yeah. Yeah. I I don't care. Yeah, I will... (laughs) I will not remember Luis Garcia. I'm sorry, but I won't. I will remember Kyle Gibson and Jordan Lyles, and not for reasons they'd like me to. Yep. All right. That's enough of that. This has been a loud and angry 48 minutes. Yep. Sorry. 101 episodes in, guys. We're still mad. We're still mad. Come in on episode 201 and see if we're still mad. Yeah, for those of you, this is your first episode. One, how, why... Two, it's a lot of this. <laughs> you haven't missed anything. You're <laughs> yeah. already all caught up. <laughs> Sometimes we're happy. Yeah. We'll find a reason to live. That reason is Jeff Mathis and his 250, 333, 429 batting line. Nope, that's it. Good night, everybody. Night, night. Go Rangers. Suck it, Ray and Bob. <laughs> yeah. Suck it, Ray and Bob. Ah.